Unfiltered, unapologetic, un-American. Welcome to the Un-American Football Show. Back to recap on week five and look forward to week six. We've got Ross and Ryan's back from his travels. How are we doing, team? I am fantastic, but um, I've actually had my regular sleeping pattern for the last week, so that makes sense compared to Ryan. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just about back on the sleeping pattern now. I'm working off the uh, the mass amount of calories I've gained <laughs> while I've been over there. Right, yeah. Um, so you, you've been in Vegas, for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, question, did you go to the Heart Attack Grill, and do you even know what that is? I do know what it is. I did manage to get there. Yeah, no, I've, I've been three times, and I've never gone. Uh, but I went with some friends, and they went. Um, so there you can get uh, a, like a burger that's got like 10 patties on it. Um, that, sounds just, that sounds fantastic. Uh, and uh, with bacon and cheese on every, on every level between as well. And um, oh my God. they dress you up like an in uh, like a patient in the hospital. And the waitresses are all dressed up like naughty nurses. And if you don't eat all of the meal that you ordered, they send you over to a corner of the room where you have to sort of like spread them and they spank you with like. Oh. A, a hard device. <laughs> okay. That's, hard device sounds more suspicious. It does, yeah. Sorry, I made it worse. Made it yeah. Worse. Um, anyway, that, that actually um, that that puts to shame um, what I know as the heart attack sandwich, which was something my flatmate when I was uh, a fresher at Aberdeen University would make on a basically by daily basis, especially throughout Freshers Week. But it was basically just bacon and cheese, and then like three slices of fried bread so it's just bacon cheese bread bacon cheese bread bacon cheese bread tomato Jeez. sauce through every level as well um and then you fry it obviously um as a final thing top and bottom of course yeah, yeah. Just, um yeah. and that would put that would set you right for another day of um freshers week basically. fried bread to me feels like a very regional thing like you just don't see it very often down south yeah i mean i it's, i wouldn't say it was fried bread we fried the bread uh, okay. but like what i what i <laughs> <laughs> But I, when I think of it, fried bread is like crunchy throughout. Sure. Um, but it, this was like just like a like a nice little touch on the on the grill, um, uh, and then flipped. There you go. Um, let's crack on with the news, shall we, Ross? Uh, yeah, let's crack on. I think the biggest news um, is kind of obvious this week. Um, it made my job quite easy, and that is that Matt Rule is no longer head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Um, how many people saw this coming? First of all, before we. Um, Quick answers. No, because I thought they had really low aspirations as a franchise anyway, so I thought it'd probably last the season. Right. I, I finally get to say his rule is over. Oh, God. Um, Move on. Move on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the team, um, no, uh, I, I saw it coming. So not this, maybe not this soon, but yeah, I saw it coming. The team dropped to one and four, a record following Sunday's loss at home to the 49ers, another kind of abysmal display. How the hell did the Saints lose to this team? I don't, I don't know. It makes me sad. Um, but, yeah, overall record for Matt Rule um, in his tenure with uh, Carolina. They went 11-27. and 27. They went 5-11 and 11 in his first year in 2020. 5-12 and 12 in 2021, and then 1-4 in 2022. God, it feels longer than that. I could have sworn it felt like another season um, he was there. But, it yeah, so it it's just all the quarterbacks. They just go through yeah. them like anything. Yeah, it was like a proper quarterback carousel there, wasn't it, for like three, well, two and a half seasons apparently only. Um, well, what do you guys think? So what was the, is it, was it a, you know, 
a lot of things compiled together over the last two and a half years and with the, the general manager there, Scott Fitterer, under the new, this was obviously the first head coach under the new owner, David Tepper. So he obviously wanted to make a splash. At the time, to be fair, Matt Rule was coming off a really, really good um, few years with Baylor in college, but he hadn't been a head coach in the NFL at the time. So he was like a hot commodity coming out of college. A lot of teams were looking at him to make that jump as a head coach to the NFL. Um, what do you guys think was the, the kind of downfall reasons for um, Matt Rule's basically abysmal coaching display in Carolina? I think it's the first thing, actually, is the fact he was he was a college coach. Um, it's kind of well known that college coaches just don't really pan out at all in in this at this level and Baylor you know they're they're a good uh university but they're not one of the biggest um so I wouldn't really no it, it was it wasn't really a logical hire to begin with it, it, in my opinion and I don't know he seemed to kind of run the team like he was still running a college program just the revolving door of quarterback as if he was like recruiting quarterbacks out of high school still it's just yeah it was not a very organized approach at all. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the quarterbacks already. Um, I, I just don't really understand where this franchise was going. Uh, so, uh, like on the quarterback side, it's all you know, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys sort of approach. You you keep investing, trade picks, and trade them away to teams for players that have never really done anything in the NFL. Uh, Baker being the best, well. Baker obviously better than Darnold. Cam obviously was good at a time. Teddy, every now and then, is all right. So I think if you're not really committing to someone who you firmly believe is coming in as a franchise quarterback, it sort of feels like they either need to be down the bottom and trying to get some top talent out of college, or they need to be paying the mega bucks in free agency or something like that to try and get one of the top guys that are available. To me, it doesn't make sense right now to fire him. With Baker injured, I think Baker's been pretty bad, but he's the best they've got as of right now, unless they're looking to make some big moves, which I doubt. With Matt Rule or without Matt Rule, I still see them picking top five, six in the draft anyway. Uh now you're going to have to pay another head coach when you're already having to keep paying him. I can't remember what the number is. something like $400,000 a week or something ridiculous. Um, so to me, it's a stupid move. He needed to go. That's, that's no bones about that. But I think timing just doesn't make a lot of sense. Cause they can't be expecting now they're going to make the playoffs now that Matt Rule's gone, surely. No, I mean, there's... I mean, David Tepper is a bit of a wild card. I think that's probably why this firing's come so early in the season. He probably does think they can turn it around. Like that's why I think that's come so early. If they were really playing the long game and maybe a bit more of a a practical, pragmatic look at it, you might want to keep him there and get that high draft pick because um, we know that this this quarterback class looks pretty good um, mm-hmm. next year with Bryce Young and CJ uh, Stroud coming out of Ohio State and Alabama. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there was a lot of errors. Obviously, it was given like a six-year deal. Um, they always work out. Which, yeah, which really showed the commitment that Carolina had to him. Um, and then with that comes a lot of pressure because you know that the GM's not making the final decision on those trades. Like It has to be the coach when you have that six-year deal. 
So you have to blame him for the Teddy B signing as a bridge quarterback, but then actually letting him go as well when you didn't have a, mm-hmm. a good enough player and good enough talent coming in and Sam Darnold, even because you, you swung big with that trade and it, that missed, then had to go back to Cam Newton um, and then Baker Mayfield, like you said. Just a, it's just one big swing and a miss after another, really, here. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they've made some interesting picks in the draft, like JC Horn looked like a good cornerback. Uh, got some like the defense in his first year was actually pretty good too. I don't know how much of a say he had in that really. Um, I just think it's a really. I know we're lingering on this one a little bit, but I think it's interesting. It's the first. It's the first firing of the the season. Um, I don't know. I think you're right. I think Carolina felt a little bit wonderless and or directionless, I should say. Um, definitely meandering through the season. So David Tepper's obviously stepped decided to step in and make a statement that you know the culture is going to change. Um, and they're going to have, hopefully have another plan moving forward. Um, but personally, I quite like it because it's Carolina. I'm a Saints fan. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. the, Pan- the Panthers have the worst colour scheme in the NFL. The, bl- the blue, black and silver literally offends my eyes every time I see it. Jerseys rank. I think, see, I have in my, ma- in my head, to be fair, uh, the black as the main color with the black pants, and then just like a touch of the powder blue and the, or the teal blue and like silver on the sleeves. I think the all black uh, with a touch of the blue and the, the white on the sleeves actually is all right. And I have like Luke, an image of Luke Keekley running sideline to sideline, um, and it actually working quite well. But I think the all, like the powder blue or the white like first or as the dominant color. Not a fan. Ryan, quick thoughts on the Carolina Panthers uniform. Um, I quite like the uh the powder blue, but I don't like the black with it. So it's the silver for me. The silver is just like overcomplicated. It, it is a bit mismatched. Like the 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 blue itself is fine. Like oh, blue is my favorite color. Um, so it looks fine to me. But it it is a bit of a mismatch, and it is a bit boring as well. Um, it's I don't know, like when they're losing, like the combination of their terrible uniform. And the and the just terrible performance just makes them one of the more depressing teams in the NFL. It's kind of like the Browns, like terrible uniform, terrible team. It just makes it even more than a little bit depressing. I would have bet my house you were going to say the Lions there instead of the Browns, uh, but here we are. Bold shout, bottom five jersey, top five logo. Ooh, that's bold. We're gonna have to do this at some point, aren't we? We should, yeah, like a, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's gonna have to be like a full like hour. A <laughs> yeah, it's like a segment in itself. Um, and quick news, um, I don't actually know much about it, but I, saw, I only saw the video uh, of the possible punishment that the Devontae Adams is going to uh, receive from the NFL on um, his, well, basically his kind of shit attitude at the end of the game uh, in the Monday Night Football, walking off the field, for anyone that's not seen the video, um, uh, looked like a, a, a boom mic operator yep. ran in front of him, uh, or like a sound engineer ran in front of him, uh, obviously trying to get to his spot, probably, you know, he's probably got a producer shouting in his ear to get to a certain spot. Doesn't know he's really running in front of Devontae Adams. Adams shoved him to the ground, um, seemingly without remorse. Uh, definitely was, you know, quite big-headed in that moment and then just walked off the field, didn't help the guy up at all. Not a good look for Adams. Um, probably going to receive some sort of punishment, I think, from the NFL. There's rumor of a yeah. suspension. I think that's... A bit over the top. It isn't exactly like absolutely flattening. It was just like, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, it, it, I think it, to me, it it feels like a bit of a mountain out of a molehill. But um, the uh, photographer has apparently um, 
filed a report to the police. I'm just reading here, so we'll see how it'll be probably a nothing, but yeah, that, to keep an eye on. This one holds more weight for me than the guy that ran in the the protester that ran in the field and was tackled by Bobby Wagner uh, in last week's Monday Night Football. I think, yeah, which was uh, he got ground for being near the field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's just his place of work, like just as is Devontae Adams um, in this yeah. instance. Um, yeah, not a good look. I think a fine's. I mean, having seen the video, everyone's probably seen the video at this point. I think a fine's probably. You know, like you said, it's not overly malicious. I think the the push. Um, just so happens that one guy is wearing pads and is a NFL wide receiver and one guy a sound engineer, um, which is why he went sprawling. But that's going to be the news for this week. Nice. Cheers, Ross. Uh, so week in 60 seconds time, Ryan. It's the week in 60 seconds. Uh, he got a special one for us. Yeah, so you've asked me to kind of cook up a... Uh... A sort of rundown of Vegas. It's not a. Uh, it's not really of what I did on holiday. It's more my observations, kind of wrapped up in a very short summary. Okay. Of Vegas itself, so it might be a little bit offensive. <laughs> oh, but excellent. We're all about that here. Uh, I think. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if 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 Nate was here anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he'd be. Uh, he'd really be leaning into it. Well, uh, I'll give you the time. When you're ready. As they say, what? Sorry, did I fuck that up? Just keep going. All right. As they say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Apart from the food, which will come back with you, because if there's anything to put a bet on in Vegas, it's that you'll eat like shit the entire time you are there. I read some advice before my trip, which is to always carry water with you in Vegas, but that's seemingly impossible in a city that runs solely on beer and champagne. But don't worry, because Vegas is unique in that it literally offers IV hangover therapy at most hotels, so you can get back to drinking almost immediately. And it's good news, because if you find yourself shit-faced at 3am in Vegas, you don't have to walk anywhere, because in Vegas they take laziness to the next level. Escalators and mobility scooters are the method of transport in Vegas. This of course is in a country already well known for its disinterest in walking literally just about anywhere. So if you're lazy, greedy, have a drinking problem, and of course take joy in losing money, Vegas is probably the place for you. Oh, and they have a pretty good sports scene too. Nice. I love Vegas. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is unique. I, I said to uh, Ross before the podcast, it's kind of stunning and trashy simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends like where you stay and that sort of stuff. Like I've only ever been in like the height of summer when it's like too hot, but because it's so hot, we we'd spend most of the morning in the pool, swigging beers, yeah. and then sort of venture out in the afternoon and have a bit more activity in the evening. Um, but if you if you're staying somewhere like in the mixer. There's probably not a lot of time to ever relax. It's probably just go, go, go. You're pretty in, pretty in the mixer as well. You're right in the thick of things. Yeah, so I stayed at the Cosmopolitan, which is right in the mix of everything. And uh, yeah, it was very full on. Um, yeah, for, for, as, as I was saying as well, for someone that's quite laid back, it was like, well, <laughs> this is a different pace entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was, it was great though. Um, but it's, it's definitely a unique place. Definitely something... I think everyone should see at least once. I'd recommend it. I've actually got some friends moving back to football. I've got some friends that are actually in Vegas during the Super Bowl and they didn't watch the game. What the hell? Like, just imagine going to a casino 
watching it on a screen that's like bigger than you know whatever that's me. you can't really miss it in the casinos because screens are everywhere i know but like, they, they book out like whole like conference rooms and complexes just for watching the super bowl and got buffets and then a performers and everything and they just went oh, yeah, yeah. we went we went and did something else it really seems like the the best place to watch the super bowl other than at the super bowl itself is yeah, probably vegas definitely but well on vegas uh let's talk about last night's game it was a bit of a scorcher to be honest chiefs squeaking past the raiders my god there was some controversy in this game uh you know one point victory in the end chiefs came back from 17 Another really contentious rough in the passer call and essentially came down to the Raiders doing what I thought was a really bad play call on fourth and one to so that the Chiefs could lose the game. What do you guys think of this one? Uh Travis Kelsey is just uh, how do you even how do you let him have four touchdowns? <laughs> Yeah, there was there were some fun um, stat lines. I thought some fun box scores for receivers over the over the weekend. Um, I've, I've yeah. noted some already, but yes, carry on. Some really interesting ones. Travis Kelsey's might be the best of the bunch in like very different ways. Seven receptions, only twenty five yards, but four touchdowns. I didn't like, I didn't realize he had twenty five yards. Yeah, like um, watching the highlights this morning, I didn't realize that either. It was like. Um, just uh, obviously, you can realize he's catching all the touchdowns. Then you look, you're like, "Oh, Kelsey's having a day, class." Um, and then you look at the box score, and it's like, "Oh, well, he wasn't really part of like the drives themselves. It was just he was just they just couldn't stop him in the in, in the red zone." Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs coming back. We know what this offense can do when they're really humming, and they they seem to really get going after the first three drives. I think we're all three and outs. Um, yeah, I think you're right with that that bad play call on the uh, the fourth and two that basically ended the game. Um, they took the big car, took the big deep shot, which worked a couple of times with Adams. Right, but the um, which so in some ways it might make sense. You might think that, but then the Chiefs are probably expecting something like that. You've done it before in the game. Don't know why you don't just go make it be a little bit more conservative and you know find someone on a little crosser or something like that. I really didn't like that play call, but. To make things worse, obviously, it only really didn't work because Adams and Hunter Renfro ran into each other on the on the play as well, and that basically ended the game. I agree. So, yeah, I thought I'd say it was a bad end to the game. I thought Josh Jacobs had an incredible game. They probably could have even given it to him if they did some sort of smart um, play call. Because they, they, were, they were close to field goal range as well what they were like i don't know six seven yards away well they needed was a first and they probably you know daniel carlson is absolutely elite he's he's for me number two in the league behind he's unreal he never missed a game he never missed a uh a field goal in allegiant stadium until last weekend i think and he's been playing for what four years or something so yeah he is Really, really good. Um, this Vegas team, they, they're they really they're strange, aren't they? For me, I watch them and think, you know, they're so close to being really, really decent, but there's always something that's, something always happens and they can't quite piece it together. You mentioned about the second, uh, oh, you mentioned about the going long to Adams. The second touchdown to Adams, 
Derek Carr was sort of running through um, the pocket. He was getting pressure. He was on the run. It was an absolute dime. It was a gorgeous throw um, for the points. But, yeah. What do you think of these roughing the passes if we sort of transition a little bit to some other stuff that happened? Because they already got a get-out-of-jail-free card on, for me, not roughing the passer. I'd probably give them because I think it was the defensive end landed on Derek Carr. There's also that really odd one with Tom Brady on Sunday as well. Uh, any thoughts on those? Or have you not seen them yet? Um, I did see um, a theory basically suggesting that since the uh, the tour concussion incident that they f- think the uh, officials have been instructed on basically protecting the quarterback at all costs now, which makes sense but it's gone too far in the other, like one direction now because um, the one against Brady was especially bad, and well, they were both they were both pretty awful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's I mean uh, I think the NFL was eased up on the uh, pass interference now. We're seeing a lot of good cornerback play now because of that. So I think they now need to basically give this the same treatment because defensive linemen especially are just being hampered. Like they've just got their hands tied. They can't like as soon as they come off the off the edge, it's just wrapping the passer done. So yeah, it's um they need to fix it. Yeah, I think you're uh, bang on about the the tour um thing. Like, but then in itself, the tour like plays where he got injured and picked up his either concussion or back injury. The second one was definitely the concussion. Obviously, um, they weren't called, and I don't think they should have been called rough in the passer either they're just unfortunate endings to hits you know mm. like it's like some sometimes it's just the way you fall it's not like um rugby union for example where if you pick your the tack the person you're tackling up uh, you're then like liable to like not injure them and you're kind of supposed to take care of them in some ways it's not i don't think it should be like that in in nfl when you're pl- the play is so much faster you can't do it like that i think it's enough to not aim for the head and neck area. Um, obviously, don't use the crown of your helmet uh, because that's just hurting yourself. I think this, and you know, and driving into the ground. Yeah, I get it. That makes sense too. But that's the issue with this Chris Jones one, and the issue with the Falcons one, the Grady Jarrett, I think, against um, Brady. Did they just didn't like? It's just not what they did. They, I'm looking at the Chris Jones one now, and he like makes a good hit on him, mm. tries to kind of tries to hold his weight he off does. him because he's all loose and then still just happens to land on top of him because it's a 320 pound defensive lineman. He lands on top of him. He doesn't drive him into the ground or like um, fall on him with any force or anything like that, you know? Uh, and the the one on Brady was absolute nonsense. Like, um, I just really didn't get it because that one absolutely killed the game yeah. in the Falcons-Bucks game, right? The Bucks uh, then got a fresh set of downs and wound down the clock when the Falcons would have got the ball back and had a chance to go down and score a touchdown and win the game. Completely killed the game. Um, might have ended the Falcon season, really. And gives the Bucks an extra win that's going to be potentially really important when it comes to playoff seeding time. It's like pretty unjust when you put it like that. I mean, they are a team literally squeaking through, aren't they, the Bucks? Every week, they're winning by a few points. They're not putting in particularly impressive performances. The defense is probably what's saved them to this point. Their defense is great. I think with the Cowboys and how they've performed the last few weeks, 
and uh, the 49ers, they're, they're getting a lot of the, you know, the glory on the defensive side of the ball. But I think people have slightly forgotten about this Buccaneers defense is really, really great. Uh, but I don't really want to talk about that. That's Falcons game is a bit. Mm. Yeah, the, I just want to say quickly in that case, the the Bucks are a hard watch. Yeah, moment. you know, if if Brady is throwing fifty two passes in a win, you would think that's fun to watch. But they only and he's three hundred fifty yards, I should say as well. But he only they only score uh, three touchdowns. Yeah, three touchdowns, um, twenty one points. You know, that's not fun. They're just not. It's all hard to watch at the moment. Um, and every yard they gain, I think, is actually quite difficult at the moment. Um, yeah, it's definitely not. At, they're definitely not at their fluid best. That that offense at the moment. No, could be scary if they clip though. Uh, another team that had a slice of fortune was, I think, they're our number one ranked team in our power rankings. Philadelphia Eagles. They probably should have been taken to overtime. Uh, Cardinals miss. Cardinals replacement kicker squiffed a tying field goal in the final seconds of the fourth quarter. And that was that was it. That was that was the end. Uh, the Eagles tailored sort of two halves really. Started well, had a couple of injuries on the O line. Jason uh, Kelsey went out, uh, as well as their left tackle, whose name I can't quite remember. Uh, Kelsey came back, but they really did not seem the same outfit in the second half. The Eagles, maybe they have got a little bit of a chink in their arm, or that that O line's been so good at protecting Jalen Hurts. If he's not quite so good at protecting them. They're going to have to play some tough teams as it gets around to playoff time. You know, I talked about the Cowboys and 49ers, both in the NFC. You think the AFC's usually got, looks like it's got the firepower over the NFC, but the NFC seems to have the better defences. Yeah, the Eagles one's interesting because Taylor two halves, sure, but it almost feels like they let their foot off the gas. Um, kind of thought they could control the game because Arizona did what Arizona do every week now and came out really really slow for four drives and then got hot in the second half mm-hmm. um you know that probably should have been the scouting report in philadelphia when kyler murray starts to scramble because things are desperate that's when arizona start to do some some things and come back into the game that said kyler murray i think really cost arizona the game here not necessarily the kicker um on that final drive sliding before he reached the first down marker, um, and then on, I think that was on second down, then spiking the ball on third and one because he'd slid too early um, to pick up the first down, meant they had to kick the field goal and then miss the field goal, which it was a first down he could have made, and you have to know where the chains are there um, and pick up that first down. You know, veteran quarterbacks and you know better quarterbacks in this league like a Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen they're picking up the first down there, they're running someone over if they have to to get it um, and Murray didn't even have to do that in this case he just slid too early um, he's, the, he's like the size of a Freddo though compared to those guys <laughs> <laughs> it was but uh, I don't know like, if you if you rewatch the, the play he like had another three or four yards to go before he was even going to run into sure. somebody Um you know, obviously the, the closing speed's fast in the NFL, but there was definitely something there to maybe dive head first, um, you know, put your body on the line a little bit and, and pick up that first down and make it a lot easier for your kicker, who ultimately still needs to make the kick. But, you know, you, you put it in the hands of special teams there instead of taking it, instead of keeping it in the hands of your best player. Um, so, yeah, big, big, uh, bad week for Kyler Murray. 
also terrible suit choice um, as he turned up to the game. Uh, Ryan, who's wearing green, and you've already said that blue's your favourite colour. How do you feel about the colour green? I haven't seen that. Was it bad? I mean, I, I do uh, like colour green, but is it... On Twitter, I saw a split image of him and um, someone else, and the, the caption was, Hillary Clinton wore it better, which will tell you who was in the other half oh, wow, of the picture. wow, I've just seen it. <laughs> I've <laughs> just um, seen it. That is... It's I, like, I don't like that. <laughs> it's Shrek lime green. Right? It is, like, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's, it's Mountain Dew green. It is <laughs> Mountain Dew green. green. Yeah, it's like if Shrek, if Shrek was holding a Mountain Dew, um, and then like dressed as a as the Green Power Ranger, mm. like oh. it's like a mixture of all those kind of greens. It's, it's quite miserable. Kind of Murray, what were you thinking? I don't know if he's trying um, to bring back flares, but that picture did not make me think that flares are back. Speaking of uh, things that are green and have problems, uh, the Eagles <laughs> might have a problem. Um, I mean, they're 5-0, and oh, but in the first half, um, you know, this is kind of a little bit outdated. This is from the 27th of September. I just literally looked it up just now. So in the first half against the games uh, versus the Lions, Vikings and Commanders, they have scored 79 to 28 points. But in the second half, they've been outscored 29 to 14 after halftime. So they've got a little bit of a chink in their armour, things you mentioned, Adam, where it's, for whatever reason, they're kind of leaving the door open, taking the foot off the foot off the pedal in the second half. So, yeah, this, I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's just overconfidence, maybe both, but it could be a problem to keep an eye on. Because, again, they let the Cardinals back in the door here when they could have easily just shut them off completely. I mean, have the Eagles actually played anyone yet? Not not until this coming Sunday, I'd say. I'm not I'm not entirely sure the Cowboys are still someone. So obviously they just played the Cardinals. They beat the Jaguars when we everyone thought they were pretty good. Uh, they played the Commanders, beat the Vikings, beat the Lions. So they're probably not really. I I, I do think they'll by the end of the season in that run of games they'll have played at least one playoff team, maybe two playoff teams and maybe the Vikings and the Jags, but that's, I think the Vikings are definitely going to be a playoff team. I, I do think, I don't want to spend too long breaking it down, but I do think that the game against Dallas will be just a really big test of them, just based on the, the Cowboys defense alone. They could actually win every single game this season. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about it for too long either, but um, they, after the Cowboys, they play the Steelers who are rotten, the Texans <laughs> who are pretty bad. The Commanders, who are rotten. The Colts, who have been poor. At the... let's, 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 let's pause it there, Alan. I want the end of the show segment. You can think about it long and hard about how um, how many wins Philadelphia are going to get to. They might win them all. That really depresses yeah. me. Let's move on. Um, let's talk about your Saints, Ross. That's, this is a bit of a surprising game. 71 points put up between the Saints and the Seahawks. Uh, Taysom Hill. Tay-Tay is awesome, right? Four touchdowns, three three rushing, one passing. Yes, correct. Your, your uh, face then made me think that what I was saying was wrong, but uh, pretty incredible. I was reminding, <laughs> I was reminding myself, even though I, I, would, I, I lived it live, um, but I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't quite recall. But he is an absolute machine when we make a conscious effort to have him part of the game plan 
um, on a like an actual drive by drive basis instead of just the occasional play. Um, I think that's been the mistake in his usage in the last maybe three weeks or so, is just putting him in for one play on short yardage instead of like keeping him in a rhythm on a drive, getting him in a, a couple plays. Um, and he, he never really passes. He's not passed uh, until this week, this year. Um, and that's probably why um, we, we got that touchdown pass to uh, to Troutman because it was a really well-designed play that worked really, really well for that a 22-yard touchdown pass. Because um, he's just run the ball so effectively when he's come in, especially on short yardage, that you know the Seattle couldn't have been expecting it. Um, but talking about running the ball, I think that kind of basically game-clinching touchdown, 60-yard um, touchdown run. Um, I didn't think he was going to make it. I know. I don't know how he wasn't tackled. Like, he looked like he was wanting to be tackled. The way he was, like, he was probably, like, running out of gas, like, looking around, almost waiting for somebody to tackle him. But still, obviously, no Seattle um, secondary could, could track him down. It was just... It's not a season-saving touchdown run. No. But it's definitely lifted our spirits just that little bit and i think the saints um as a team and as like a the fan base definitely needed it because when kenneth walker went on a similar touchdown run just the drive before to put seahawks up that felt like a bit of a gut punch that was potentially gonna you know derail us for the the rest of the the season never mind the game but then Taysom hill came back and saved our our skin um, on at least this weekend that's about drives with a rushing touchdown of like 60 plus yards which was pretty weird. Yeah, it's, it's nuts to be fair. Probably more of a sign that these defences aren't as good as I, or at least the Saints defence isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, we all know the Seahawks is shit. Um, yeah. But hey, it, it works for interesting games. It was a fun game to watch just from that. Um, Alvin Kamara being back as well. That's um, Can't have him missing just from a, even a neutral's perspective. He's one of the best to watch in the league. He, the way he glides past defenders in, in the open field. Um, he went over 100 scrim- uh, 200 scrimmage yards for for the game. Um, so good to have him back in the lineup. Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's move on. We were talking about this game just before we started recording. Uh, Bengals, Ravens, uh, M&T. Really interesting one for the division to try and work out who are you know the alphas in this division. Bengals lose by two. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I've been pretty critical of him in the past and so I think uh, I'm not that really into the whole scrambling quarterback thing, but this year he's really he's really having a year. This is maybe not quite his MVP year, but he's uh, he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like John Harbaugh's kind of really just fully trusted Lamar this year and just let him go completely wild. Um, like he's literally just carrying their run game. Like they have no one to run the ball, and yet. They still somehow let Lamar just run all over whatever team he's facing. Um, I didn't see a lot of this game. Um, I know Burroughs kind of still struggling with being sacked a fair bit. Um, that line's still touch and go. Um, Mixon kind of still struggling to get the run game going. Um, but yeah, I think both these teams will be in the mix. Yeah, I think it's the it's the Ravens' uh, division to win, but I think the Bengals will probably be in there for the wild card spot, and we'll probably see them face each other in the play in the playoffs. So it's kind of a, an early preview of, of what to expect. 
I don't disagree with any of that. I think a big loss for the Bengals was T. Higgins didn't actually make it through the game. Um, the head coach at the end did sort of say, you know, we could have used Higgins situation, situationally if we wanted to. Um, you know, they were trying to win the game and they didn't. He, he could have just gone out there just to, just for attention, really. Um, but they didn't didn't get the win. Another day with, with a fully healthy receiving group, we know it's one of the best in the NFL. Could have been a different result. Um, it's unfortunate for them. They'll have, they've got another game to come. So, if the uh, if the Ravens didn't have another kicker, then it also might have been yeah. a, a Bengals win. To be fair, um, did you four, um, four field goals? I think for for Tucker, just a beast. Did you see the kind of swag celebration he did at one point during the game, Justin Tucker? It was no. <laughs> Oh, you have to wait. He just kind of walks off and just like, yeah, I'm the man. <laughs> it was great. He's Mr. Swag of like kickers, of the of like kickers and special teams in the league. It's definitely like a Pat McAfee kind of swagger about his game um, that is interesting to see from a from a kicker. I want to see a Baltimore yeah. uh, coloured purple suit like Kyler wore when he turns up to the next, get, next uh, Ravens game. And then see if we're all still taking the piss or see if he can actually, uh, you know, see if he looks good. Who knows? Probably not. But uh, yeah. let's move on. Uh, is Russ cooked? I think probably we think yes. Uh, Indy beat Denver in a proper snooze fest on Thursday night. Let's touch on it, but let's maybe not talk about it for too long. It was a rough watch. Uh, yeah, both teams are combined six for thirty-one on third downs in in the game. Um, I was trying to find how many punts there were in the game because that's always interesting to know. It's, I always it's always like a standard for how bad the game was, mm. like finding how many punts there were. But the third down efficiency stat's quite a good one, I think. Um, yeah, the offense is just bad, isn't it? Really, for both, well, both both Denver and <laughs> yeah. Indianapolis. Um, it's scarier for Denver because I think the expectations will, might have been higher, especially at home in this game. Um, and you, but I, I say that actually, what's more, uh, more sad probably generally as a neutral, and definitely as a Denver fan actually, is, you know, you just pay, you just paid Wilson, however many hundreds of millions of dollars in, the, in an extension, so you're kind of locked in with this offense potentially for the next few years. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in a lot of people, including myself, that this potential Russell Wilson that we're seeing and this offense that we're seeing wasn't didn't really come into our thoughts as something that could happen. I think there was definitely, a, a, like on this scale, this is kind of the quarterback he's been in Seattle for the last couple of seasons. Mm. And we just kind of assumed with a little bit of better talent and a different coaching and new scenery that he was going to be better and the offense was going to be better and he was going to be back to the old Russell Wilson. I, don't, I, I think the expectations on the Denver were quite high from almost anybody and this bad an offense wasn't um, uh, a likelihood that anybody foresaw. Uh, well, I always would have taken the receivers in Seattle over Denver. I know there'll be people out there that disagree with that, but I think, you know, TK Metcalf, is the, he can change any game. Uh, Tyler Lockett, we, you know, he's been doing it for so many years now and he's a great receiver. You know, Jerry Judy's actually having his best year ever, probably. Uh, what, year three? It happens, you know, year three breakout. Colin Sutton's decent as well, but um, 
Yeah, I think people just thought that it was a better all-around calibre. There's a lot of concerns about the O-line in Seattle last year and in previous years. No run game because Chris Carson was always injured. Uh, unfortunately, now Javante Williams is injured and out for the year for the Broncos. Yeah, you can probably put some of it down to luck, but yeah, you are right. Everyone just thought, oh yeah, the Bengals, the not Bengals, the Broncos, uh, they've got to be one of the teams to beat. But you're not a team to beat unless you've actually shown that you're a team to beat, and they look nothing like it. Uh, for the Colts, we'll say Alec, uh, Alec Pierce, rookie wide receiver, had another good game for them. So, uh, love Michael Pittman on the other side. Interesting to see how how fast he can grow and what he becomes in the NFL. Uh, Ryan, anything you want to say about the Lions getting shut out by the Patriots? I'm sure you're a big Patriots fan. Uh, how about the Titans? <laughs> the Titans are back on top of the AFC South. Uh, something I didn't think I'd be saying just a few weeks ago. They've quietly got better, no matter what Nate said when uh, the Titans beat the Colts the other day. In a division that's up for grabs, they're making their case. And I'm not sure who they've got this coming week. I'll have a look. But um, they may be the team to beat in the AFC South all, again all of a sudden. Uh, they have their rematch with the Colts oh. this week, um, which is quite a fun one. Oh, that came quick. Yeah, that's so yeah. quick. It was like week six. Yeah, this is a, a complaint I heard, I think, on a, another podcast that they have both um, Colts uh, Titans done, who have been like the two kind of powers of the AFC South, if you want to put it that way, over the last three or three seasons. Um, having both their games done by week six seems a bit silly by the NFL schedules schedule makers but um gotta make the most of it i guess and tennessee were the team last week i think when we're talking about how good the jags could be um i said not to like put put them down too early because they didn't you know just won a couple games and then they come back and beat washington again they're just starting to get rolling um i think personally i think Derek henry is just starting to get rolling as well you know it usually a bit of a slow starter, and then he starts to rumble when it comes to like November, December football. Um, yeah, I think I think Tennessee they're gonna have a lot to say in the the AFC South down the as, as the season wears on. I also think there's quite a few bad teams in the AFC South. That is true. Yeah, I remember I remember talking about the Titans in the uh, kind of preview of the season, and even I think I even admit I'm kind of a light Titans fan. I like Tannehill, I like Henry. Um, but even I was down on them, and they're they're kind of surprising everyone. They're sort of uh, kind of slightly getting their swagger back, um, as you say. Like Henry's starting to look like Henry again. Tan Hill is playing just as he needs to, as he always has done. Um, and their defense is not it's not great, but it, it's getting the job done. Um, so yeah, I think this division is probably going to end up being theirs. Um, but they're they're looking better than I think we gave him credit for. And I think that comes down to Vrabel. I think he's still doing a pretty bang-up job there. Um, yeah, that offense still runs through Henry, and he still runs through everyone else. So until you stop Henry, you just can't really stop the Titans, I guess. I'm not too sure I'd agree that we need to give him more credit than we gave them because they looked dreadful to start the season. I give them credit for how they bounced back, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we're wrong to criticize how they were looking. 
Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I like Ray Ward. I think he's a good coach. That last second field goal loss, the Giants in week one is now looking like a <laughs> fine loss all of a sudden. Well, let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the Giants. I wasn't going to go there next, but uh, yeah, pull off a massive shock in London against the Packers. Uh, I did not see this one coming. I, I, I had some money on this one. Um, over over 40 points in the Packers to win. I thought this is an absolute banker. At halftime, I thought, just give me the money now. Uh, <laughs> don't think the Packers scored again, did they? No. Uh, apart from the last play safety thing. Oh, like, right, yeah. But, yeah, like generally the, the, offense, didn't offense. Score, the offense didn't put any more point, points on the board. Um, and Saquon Barkley kind of took over in the second half for, for the Giants. It's via the medical tent. Via the medical tent, but it was an unbelievable performance by that Giants offense in the second half. The Green Bay, I think, only had two drives, and basically, so they go they go into the half twenty points to ten in the lead. They only had two drives in the second half um, before the Giants were then seven points up, and then suddenly the Packers are like needing to drive to just tie the game. Um, it was such just really good kind of ball control offense by the, the Giants and a really solid running game that took the game away from Green Bay and they kept Aaron Rodgers on the sideline for as much as possible. And um, yeah, like a proper statement win. It was a statement yeah. win. Um, I, I don't dislike the Giants despite being a divisional rival, really. Uh, they've been so bad for so long. They, they probably deserve a few wins every now and then. Just not against the Cowboys. Uh, I certainly think they're that good. I mean, they got Cooper rushed just a couple of weeks ago, but the Packers, on defense in particular, just really not good. <laughs> I was trying to think of a better word, but good's what we're going with. Uh, we talked about how you know Bailey Zapp came in for the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. I mean, uh, okay, maybe he's elite, and Ryan, you can elaborate on that, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I thought, well, you know, it's the third string rookie for the Patriots coming in. Was that last weekend? Uh, well, uh, week Bless four. Um, I thought, well, you know, this game's over. This is the Packers to just march down the field time and time again, just hand it off to Dylan and uh, Jones, and it's game over. And it, they took it to overtime, and the Packers just couldn't stop anyone. Couldn't stop a cold. Couldn't um. Couldn't, couldn't stop anyone. So. Uh, the Packers, I, I think the, the Packers, they're not looking good on offense. They're looking good in defense. Um, they've been lucky probably to have the record they've got. I uh, 100% agree. I'm looking back on their record. They're definitely a stuttering offense. If like they kind of a bit like Vikings esque in some ways, and that they can put together a couple of drives and then go quiet for a couple of drives. It seems like at the moment, which is unusual for Rodgers. But that defense, I think, has been lucky that they've not really played a top offense. Yeah. Or they've not played many top offenses so far. You know, their wins came against the Bears, the Bucks, and the Patriots with Zap, and you know, Zap was still able to put up twenty four points on them. So that's three offense offenses that you, you don't really fancy as being a top ten in the NFL at the moment. And that's who the wins have come against for Green Bay so far. As soon as they've gone up against a like a pretty decent offense in the Vikings and Giants in the second half at least, they've lost both games. Um and then, to be fair, then they go and play the Jets this week, then Washington. But then they do play Green Bay away in, in week eight. Green Bay play Green Bay. Sorry, uh, Buffalo uh, in week eight. And I fancy, at the moment, 
I fancy Buffalo to absolutely drop the hammer on Green Bay in that game up in Buffalo. Cowboys play them around that time as well, don't they? Week 9, 10 or something like that? Yeah, but a couple so weeks later. They've got well. a bit of a harder schedule coming up. But Aaron Rodgers definitely not having a vintage year. I don't think he's going for the 3 P on the MVP. Uh, current stats, 8 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. For reference, the last 3 seasons prior to this, his whole season interceptions were 4, 5 and 4. So he's nearly thrown as many interceptions. And you know, I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback or hasn't been a great quarterback. He's only thrown as many interceptions, which has sort of been his calling card for a number of years, as whole season's worth in the last three years. In fact, in 2018, he only threw two. So uh, by his standards, definitely slipping. They, they just missed Devontae Adams, don't they? Like they they're, they're training up these young receivers to this, to this offense, and he's, it's not clicking yet. Yeah. And they're also completely misusing the running backs. Yep. Which is the most surprising aspect, considering that's their strength. Absolutely. Uh, and not that I'm bitter, uh, but I've got AJ Dillon in a lot of fantasy leagues. I, was watch- I was, wasn't able to watch the game live, and I could see that he had the ball, that had six carries for 34 yards, which is sort of like five and a bit yards per carry. Why are you only giving him six? I thought, well, maybe Aaron Jones is getting them all. Not really. He's getting the receptions, but he's not really getting... Um, Many carries either. So yeah, I don't really understand what they're really trying to do. There's a lot of di- a lot of offenses that are succeeding through the run. Niners, obviously, they always do it so well. It's been sort of the calling card for the Cowboys last few weeks with Cooper Rush in the centre. If that's a strength, just just go with it. You don't need to just make Aaron Rodgers be awesome. If he's struggling, just you know move the attention away. Uh, and I think that's probably what the Bucks would want want to do. So Brady doesn't have to throw 50 times in the game as well. But Fournette's not been amazing prior to this week. Uh, right, Alan, I'll set you up. You alluded to what the Cowboys are doing on offense um, with Cooper Russian at quarterback, and I can see you're chomping at the bit, I think, to talk <laughs> about um, your Cowboys. For, to set the scene for the, any listeners, uh, he's currently wearing his Cowboys jersey. Number 21, is that Zeke? Yeah, Zeke. It doesn't, it, yeah. doesn't say Russian. Doesn't say Russian in the back yet. <laughs> no. So this time next week, he's probably gonna have a Cooper Rush jersey. Definitely not. Um, but it wasn't really. He wasn't really the reason they, they beat the the Rams on Sunday, was it? No. No, but he he just he doesn't make risky plays, which if you need to win a game, is not good. But he's not needed to win many games. He's been. He's just needed to be sort of safe, adequate make an occasional good throw here and there uh, and just not turn the ball over. And that's what they did. You know, one of the first plays of the game, uh, Stafford gets taken down, fumble, returns to the house. Before, um, you know, before the couples even had an offensive snap, they're ahead. And I didn't necessarily expect that to be how it went. And the Rams just couldn't catch up at all. So Cooper didn't really, Cooper Rush didn't need to be that great. He threw for 102 yards. And the Cowboys won by 12 against the reigning world champs, which is pretty mad. Probably the most inexcusable part on the Rams is there was 42 passes from Stafford, but in total only 15 rush attempts from all three um, backs combined for the Rams. Um, They couldn't run it at all. They couldn't run it, but... 
they just then decided to let Stafford gunsling it, which I can tell you as a Lions fan, as much as I love him, you'd never let Stafford just gun it because um, the result will be what you saw on on Sunday. Um, he's not looking good. No. Um, I think the I think the injuries are there, and they're trying their best to say, "Oh, he's fine," but again. Like he's been injured constantly since, well, 2016, just on and off, on and off. And I think he's really um, looking bad now. Um, but yeah, no, full play to the Cowboys. They played a complete game um, offensively, defensively, special teams. Like that. They're not playing, well, defensively, they're playing spectacular. But offensively, as you said, they're just managing the game. They're just keeping the game in front of them, um, making barely any mistakes at all. And just then. You know, go marching down the field, they'll score, and then they'll just the, the defense just absolutely mash up the other team. Uh, watching, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a Cowboys hater, admittedly. <laughs> yeah, being a Lions fan, there's a history there. But watching the Cowboys defense has been really fun. Like they just swarm. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really. Uh, I was trying to find the quarterback hits on Stafford they got on Sunday. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. They got five sacks. Um, so if we can track down the quarterback hits, because I felt like I was watching, I watched instead of red zone, I watched this game full, and it just felt like every time Stafford dropped the back, there was a, a, a Cowboys defender in his face, if not, you know, laying a, a proper hit on him, at least getting in his face and making him think about it. Um, you know, they they always knew that they were, he always felt like they were going to be close um, if he didn't get the ball away, and no matter what the Rams seem to try and do to get some juice in the in the building and get some of the offense going. Dallas just always seemed to have an answer, except for that one, you know, busted coverage play for the mm-hmm. touchdown to Cooper Cup. You know, even when at sixteen ten, so one possession game, one touchdown, the Rams are ahead. Basically, they they, they pulled off the fake punt pass. Um, oh yeah, I was pretty livid about that, but on, as uh, if he didn't on, expect Move to play to do that, you know. But uh, or, yeah, at least it'd be in the realms of possibility. Right. With, he does it to us every time as well. Fourth and five. Uh, on his own twenty-five yard line as well, like they, the you know, it's not Johnny Hecker back there anymore. It's Riley Dixon. People um, still the trust and faith in him to to hit um, someone called Griffith. I don't even know who that is uh, for for a twelve-yard gain. And then even then, they can't get anything going um, and end up punting the ball away uh, around midfield. You know, on, on that drive too. Whatever the the Rams tried to do, and whenever you felt like they had a little bit of momentum going, Dallas just seemed to have an answer. I mean, the Rams didn't score in the second half. Um, just a proper shutdown got, uh, job by the, the Cowboys defense and Micah Parsons, um, who has to be the runaway defensive player of the year at this point of the season. Probably. Sounds um, pretty fair. I, was bit, cause was, I thought he wasn't going to play the second half at one point because uh, he, he came out, well, he left the field at the end of the first half clutching his groin. Um, he came back out and he was on the bike and I thought, oh, this isn't looking too good. Uh, they ended up using him situationally, word of the day. And, uh, you know, so on big third downs and what have you, and I thought, well, yeah, he was still clutching it at the end. He was out for ages uh, on one of the final drives to the Rams. And then he had two massive plays which killed the game, changed, changed the game, got the, uh, forced the fumble, from Stafford, yeah, he's uh, he's something special. Uh, the Cowboys don't draft 
amazing players on purpose. They do it by accident. They didn't even want Michael Parsons. <laughs> they wanted Pat Sertain, and Pat Sertain's great as well. But you can't help but think this Cowboys defense wouldn't be the same with, without Michael Parsons now. So, yeah, he he's a special, special player and gives me hope going forward every week that the Cowboys have got a chance to win every game. I shouldn't I shouldn't say defensive player of the year. I don't like when we give awards way too early, but I think it's fair to say through six weeks or five weeks that he is the, the best defensive player so far. I don't think that's um, a stretch to say. He's probably the most impactful. Whether he's been the best, I think it's sometimes hard to hard to define. But yeah, I think for you take him out of the defense, and the defense is a shell of itself. You probably could say the same about T.J. Watt, who's obviously not been around, and the Steelers look absolutely rotten. Uh, I think the Cowboys would be okay without Parsons, but um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, moving on from. Uh, the Cowboys, I don't know if there's any other games you guys want to pick out, but Ross, you mentioned that there were some amazing stat lines across the weekend. I uh, just wanted to pick out a couple that really caught my eye. Uh, Gabe Davis for the Bills, three receptions, two touchdowns, 172 yards. I've never quite seen a stat line like that in my life. <laughs> um, that It's a proper Randy Moss stat line. It is, yeah. Like, I, I, d- I don't know when you guys start watching NFL, I like to kind of start watching NFL on the back end, like towards the end of his career. But like, yeah, that that's the kind of typical Randy Moss stat line, like three catches, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy. Um, and uh, Diami Brown, who's a second year wide receiver for the commanders, had a couple of targets this week. For, I think it was some of his first targets of the season, actually. Uh, because uh, Jahan Dotson was out for this one. He had two touchdowns on two receptions for 105 yards. And for a guy that no one... Like Gabe Davis is a good player, and he had that five-touchdown game in the playoffs last year. This is almost as ridiculous as that. Uh, second one in particular, beautiful, over-the-shoulder, one-hand grab, worth a watch I of the that. Washington Commanders. Which is surprising. It's pretty darn good. Uh, any others that caught your eye, Ross? You already alluded to them. Yeah, the Travis Kelsey. Um, I've forgotten off the top of my head now. Seven catches, 25 yards, four touchdowns. I think is stupid. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. It must be uh, the shortest amount of yards gained for a four touchdown game. You'd have to kind of assume. It's got to be up there. Yeah. Or down there. Um, I don't know which way it goes. One um, kind of game overall. Stat line I thought was interesting. I think it's always nuts when the Chargers and Browns play for some reason. Um, they combine for over uh, a thousand offensive yards, uh, with the Chargers going for four, six, five, and um, the the Browns going. Oh no, I just did really, really bad math. I was going to say this over... is this is a good bad to get absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. If the if the Browns had over five hundred yards, uh, combined for over nine hundred uh, total yards. That show I I. Guys, my day job is as a, a, a data analyst. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't add up four six five and four four three there um, for for a second, but still an absolutely uh, nuts because both running backs Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler did go over a uh, hundred yards on the ground um, and had really good fantasy days. Massive. Actually, that was a proper like bow on the backs that game. It was good to watch. Yeah, the Chargers aren't that good. I, know I wasn't really into about the Chargers. They're 
fine. They're not going to go anywhere. They might make the playoffs, but they won't have any playoff wins this season. Um, just very quickly on Kelsey, um, fantasy-wise, if he was a wide receiver, he would currently be ranked number three overall. Like, it's just insane. <laughs> he, he isn't a tight end. He's just a really big receiver. What's more insane, that or the Hollywood Brown is the number five wide receiver on the year? I, I don't think we saw that coming. Or that I'm a data analyst. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll uh, analyse this, Ross. Uh, next week's games for week six, it all starts off with a... Oh, really gets really gets me going oh, this no. one. It's the Washington Commanders at the Chicago Bears. Wow. Oh, make it end already. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's, that's ugly. Uh, commanders? <laughs> um, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. The Bears have won three games, right? Uh, Somehow, yeah. Well, Ro- I, Ross would say the Bears then because it's a Thursday night. Um, they are here. We go. I found I found a semblance of um, normality uh, amongst all the shit football that we're probably going to see on Thursday. Um, that can actually kind of make sense as an argument. The Bears are two and three, actually. No. They're two and zero at home and zero and three on the road. Um, whereas Washington are one and four and zero and two on the road. Therefore, I'm taking the Bears on Thursday night football in Chicago. Yeah, um, I'll take the Commanders because I think the Bears are not good on either side of the ball, particularly. And one of those games they won was that monsoon game against the 49ers. So I think you can sort of throw that one out. Uh, yeah, I hope the Bears win, though. The Bears. Uh, I don't. Go on, Ryan. No, sorry, I, I, I don't, you know, because division rivals. Oh, sure. they, can, they, can, they can have the bottom of the basement. <laughs> uh, so let's move to Sunday where things get a bit better. My pick of the games for the 6pm game, because we don't know who Sky Sports are actually having yet, is Minnesota Vikings at Miami Dolphins. I'm sort of assuming that Tua's back for this one. And if he is, it makes it a little bit more interesting. Ross, who do you fancy? I'm not so, uh, so sure that Tua's going to be back. Well. Um, which would definitely lean to me picking Minnesota. Um, Mike McDaniel actually I think whilst we've been recording has come out and said that two has not improved enough Oh, um, should we do a different game the, from the concussion uh, yeah why not let's do that I think it's literally as we were kind of recording in the past like hour yeah that does sort of change it a little bit um, breaking yeah. news I'm uh, just trying to do some different teams uh, here's two teams that are slightly in the wilderness and I'm not entirely sure Oh, let's, let's do this one. Yeah. Uh, Packers, Jets at Lambeau. I was hoping you might pick that. Sometimes dreams do come true, Ryan. <laughs> I never thought I'd say, oh, yeah, give it the Jets. Which, which is the best team? Which is the best team in green? Well, um, no, I mean, the Jets are looking competent enough. Um, I think it's been pointed out that their rookies are really playing it up. Uh, Brees Hall is kind of here now. Garrett Wilson has been playing really well. 
Um, and the Packers just are not playing well on any aspect. So it's, it, I can't believe we're at the, we're at the stage where we're potentially picking the Jets over the Packers, but I think they could potentially edge it just based on the Packers' pure incompetence. Ross? Packers. Yeah, I'll take the Jets. Oh. I, I, I already said oh. I, I don't like a lot of what the Packers are doing at the moment. A Packers win wouldn't shock me, but yeah, I don't like a lot of what the, the Packers are doing. Uh, now, this has got to be one of the games of the weekend. Bills at Chiefs. We didn't even really even talk about the Bills this week because they just had an easy game against the Steelers. Blew them away by about 30-odd points. Uh, and Chiefs obviously had that tight win against the Raiders. It's uh, Arrowhead. Could be the difference maker. Ross, who do you fancy? They've lost every time they've been at Arrowhead, haven't they? So uh, I was going to say, I think that they always lose, don't they? Arrowhead. Does that mean, you, does that mean you're taking the Chiefs then, Ryan? Um, I want to see the Bills finally do it, so I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, so we're getting the, you know, I think most people could assume that this is these are the top two offenses in the league, but they are actually statistically in points per game the top two offenses in the league. What happened to the, Bills, the Lions? They were the top offense in the league. They're they're on a bye week. Wow. Yeah, taking a break. <laughs> I think they need it for the next month after not scoring. This <laughs> uh, they actually, I think they went from first to third. Looking at it now, um, courtesy of that, See, it's uh, not all that bad. Drubbing on Sunday, but uh, yeah. So Chiefs and Bills, uh, top two offenses in the league, points per game. Bills are top defense points per game, and I think that might be the difference because the Chiefs' defense is actually the worst unit in this uh, game coming into it. Um, we saw how Josh Allen ripped it up against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. I think he does that again, and this time the Bills have actually upgraded on defense, and I think they get it done um, in Arrowhead on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills as well. I think you make talk a lot of sense there about the Chiefs' defense being the worst unit. Also, some slight concerns over the kicking situation for the Chiefs. They've been without Harrison Butler for a number of weeks. Tight games like this, you do not want to be you know, using some kicker off the street, and that's what they've had to do. They've been okay the last couple of weeks based upon who they've had to play. I think a couple of points, it could come down to a midfield goal at some point, this um, extra point, something like that. So, yeah, I'll take the Bills as well. Uh, Sunday Night Football, this one gets me nervous already. It's uh, the Cowboys at Eagles at the link. Ross... Cowboys. Oh, oh! Now that see, now the pressure's on because I, I obviously know what <laughs> it's taken. <laughs> um, you know what? Give me the Cowboys oh, as well. God, <laughs> nightmare, Alan. Um, I'll take the Eagles because oh, I think that one of these we talked just talked about what's the worst unit. And the worst unit is the Cowboys' offense, with Cooper Rush functioning at. There's conversations that Dak could be back. He's expected to throw on Wednesday. What day are we? Tuesday, recording this. So, uh, but he needs, uh, as per Jerry Jones, so you can't believe a single word he fucking says. Uh, but uh, he needs to be able to throw a tight spiral. 
if you can't throw a fairly tight spiral, then he's not going to be playing. So to me, that says that it's the Cooper Rush show, and Cooper Rush is good enough to beat teams that are above average. I think the Eagles on defense are, you know, probably top five, top six in the league. And I think that'll be the difference that the Eagles offense is simply better than the Cowboys. Could be tight. They haven't actually been that good defensively. Um, I don't have the table in front of me. I was looking at earlier and they are kind of mid table defensively. Are they? Which obviously, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I feel like, I think Ross is maybe looking at it as I speak, but um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I can pull it up if it will either. Um, I'm sure I saw them around mid-table, but I think it's, again, going back to their defense, I think it'll be what makes the difference, and it'll be interesting to see Hurts against a, a proper good defense. There's not many... Because he hasn't really played a, a swarming defense like the Cowboys yet. No. Uh, downside of the Cowboys, just while Ross finds that, is that if they are over-committing, it does leave them open for things like screen passes and that sort of you know, not trying to make Hurts throw dimes down the field and play smart little screen passes is probably playing into his strengths a little bit. But yeah, I mean, the key difference is they're going to have to play wide and get off the edge quick because we, we we see how easy Hurts can get away from um, edge rushes that overcommit. So they're going to have to be very quick off the edge, yeah. uh, which I think they're more than capable of. I think that's the difference. Uh, again, uh, maybe similar to the Bills. I think that that front seven is going to give Mahomes um, a hell of a run on Sunday. I think it's the Cowboys front seven that's going to um, going to have a have a game plan to stop Jalen Hurts. And um, I think I don't know. If, maybe I think it's going to be the difference. I'm looking at the Eagles' defense. They're not bad. They are like about tenth in points per game. They're fourth in yards per game. But I think there's been a couple of bad weather games like against the Jags, for example, yeah. that's contributed to that. Um, so yeah, they're better than average so far, but it's like we said earlier, who have they really played um, so far? You know, I think, you know, this Cowboys offense might not be the best again for them, but there's enough there in Zeke and Tony Pollard uh, if they can get that running game going to cause the Eagles defense some problems. Could all be down to whether that tackle is fit for the Eagles on Sunday night football then. Uh, Monday night we're ending poorly uh, with the Broncos <laughs> at Chargers. Ross? I just can't put any faith in Denver at the moment. Like, I can't. You know, this might be the the game that they finally break out and, and do something because the Chargers are always going to charge her, right? But right. I just I can't put any faith in Denver um, at the moment. So I'm going to... I'm going to take the, the Chargers. Yeah, I'll take the Chargers as well. I mean, I like just said, they're going to, Chargers going to charge it, but they're still capable of putting, putting a lot of points on the board. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't trust the Broncos to do anything. I'm going to take the Broncos. Um, to be One, to be different, but two, because the Chargers defense is dreadful and the Broncos defense isn't. And, Without Keenan Allen, I think they're really missing a key ingredient to this Chargers offense. Yeah, I think it could be quite a close game, but I think the Broncos uh, probably win it with their defense. They've got to be up there, Russ, if you've still got that thing that you just had up for defense. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Broncos are fourth in yeah. uh, points per game on, on defense, but 
they're last in points per game on offense. So it's <laughs> defense wins championships. Um, yeah, here we go. <laughs> well, do, they win, do they win games in October? I don't. I don't know. No, uh, probably probably not. Uh, I'd rather see the Chargers win, despite you know all these cases that I hate the the Chargers. I don't, but uh, I'd like to see them win. I just don't think that they will. Um, okay, uh, Alan. Shall we do our as our last segment? Um, for the show today before you wrap things up shall you be completely 100% honest and we'll run through the Philadelphia schedule and <laughs> see where you where your worst nightmare um, could possibly come true or finally end um, so Philadelphia 5-0 and yeah play the Cowboys this week you've already taken Philly yeah yeah then they are home to the Steelers Philly away to the Texans Philly Eight and zero, uh, home to Washington. Philly, away to the Colts. Philly, Philadelphia. You're ten and zero, going into. <laughs> and let's let's be honest. This is not beyond the realms of possibility. I, I mean, I, as a Cowboys fan, I do like the Cowboys. I think they're doing great stuff. But to go to Philadelphia on Sunday night football, um, yeah. Um, Philly, you're ten and zero going into a home game on Sunday night football against Green Bay. Uh, at the link. Yeah. Philly. Home to the Titans next week. Yeah, so take Philly. Away to the Giants. <laughs> Philly. Home to the uh, away to the Bears. Philly. Uh, fourteen and zero away to the Cowboys. Oh, that's unfortunate, isn't it? It's going to be fourteen and one there probably. Um, but <laughs> and then home to the Saints and home to the Giants. Yeah, well, they're probably going to win at least one of those, if not two. They, they could win 15 or 16 quite easily, I think. Uh, Congratulations in Alan Woods' worst nightmare for the <laughs> Well, and 16 and 1, I think, by my count there. Yeah, I mean, and it's not, you don't think I'm like smoking something. You, you, you think it's very possible, right? <laughs> Going through the actual schedule week by week, you can, you, you, yeah, you can see where that, you know, that horrible um, world exists where the Philadelphia Eagles go 16-1, and 17-0. I just think Dallas put an end to it actually this week. I think it's we're kind of basing uh, these predictions on how all these teams are currently playing. Green Bay could still improve. The Titans are improving. Um, and the Saints just somehow scrap together a game plan and win. So... It's possible that there's some upsets in there. Yeah, but week 17 when are the Saints still going to be playing for something then? Uh, they'll be playing Taysom Hill. <laughs> they will be playing for a top five pick, probably, which will actually be going to Philadelphia. So <laughs> you got to win that one. Um, yeah, no, it's just a ridiculously easy schedule. They don't really play, well, they play like in their entire schedule, they'll play potentially three playoff teams and two, twice they'll play the Cowboys so they'll play four because I think the Cowboys will be a playoff team through you know one way or another I mean they technically are at the moment record wise well I don't know the Giants are right there as well aren't they true what a weird sentence uh, we're talking absolute yeah. crazy talk now let's wrap this up before it gets any more ridiculous uh, cheers Ross cheers Ryan thanks for joining us for going through week five of the action and giving you predictions for week six. 
Thanks everyone for listening. If you're interested in what else we're getting up to, you can follow us on Twitter. You can uh, not follow us on YouTube. You can watch some of our other or listen to some of our other podcasts on Amazon, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you want to talk football or pop punk or uh, sources like condiments, just to clarify, uh, then you can join our Discord <laughs> and all those details are on our Twitter. So thank you, everyone. Just uh, quickly, if you, uh, if you are listening, you made it this far, definitely speak out the Discord because I think the Discord is one of the more funner places to right. um, find a community of like folks to, to talk football, but also talk like a random amount of like weird subjects and sports and stuff. So do seek it out. We're at the limit for Broncos fans though. Sorry. Yeah. 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 We need to drive out a little bit more. So please join. Broncos fans <laughs> need not apply. <laughs> so thanks everyone for listening and speak to you soon. Ross, say goodbye to the nice people. See you everybody. I forgot I had to do it.